0: Welcome and happy Fourth of July week it is another episode of the Chief Zone Podcast. My name is Farzi Basugi, and your host here, as we have made it through the halfway point of 2018. Hard to believe, halfway through the 2018 calendar year, now in the month of July. Hope all of you guys are having a great summer. Hope you all have a great and safe 4th of July week. Gonna be a fairly short show uh, this episode. Not a whole lot to talk about, of course. the... Uh, the midway point in June all the way until uh, mid to late July where some teams start to report to training camp. Not a whole lot of activity going on generally this time of year. If your NFL team is being talked about, usually not a good thing. We saw last year what happened when the Chiefs made some news about John Dorsey getting fired. I I, I honestly don't think I can recall a uh, Chief story that uh, broke like that in the middle of the summer like that uh, ever. So Uh, This is definitely uh, one of those uh, occasions where you you don't want to see news like that, especially big news like that, with your team this time of year. Fortunately, not the case for the Chiefs at this point. Seems like it's been a fairly quiet, drama-free offseason for the Chiefs, and hopefully that continues all the way into training camp and the regular season. So a couple of things we'll still get on here as uh, Pat Mahomes, he's been receiving some Brett Favre comparisons uh, from Andy Reid, course in the past a lot of scouts and now a couple of analysts have been making that comparison to Pat Mahomes so we'll talk about that a little bit plus pro football focus posted something really interesting a stat about Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill that you will want to hear I know we've talked a lot about this offense uh, with Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey Kareem Hunt and then the addition of Sammy Watkins and what that's going to do for this Kansas City Chiefs offense so Uh, I feel like we beat that topic to death, but there are some new things coming up. And I want to, anytime we discuss something like that, uh, especially something that everyone else is talking about, I want to keep that topic fresh. And there was something new that came out there that I want to get into. So we'll discuss that. Plus, LeBron James has finally picked a team he'll sign with the Lakers. Uh, I'm glad I I recorded this podcast a little later than I had planned to on Sunday evening because uh, I wanted to do this in the morning. I had something come up. Uh, but And I did intend to talk about LeBron and where he could potentially go, so I'm glad I recorded this a little later uh, than expected. So we'll talk about that. Plus, one NFL player has surprisingly announced his retirement, and I want to get into that later on in the podcast. If you guys want to interact with me on social media, easy to do. Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian. Twitter.com slash farzine 21 Follow me on Twitter. You guys can also email me, Farzine, at FarzineVasugian.com. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. Hit the share button. Spread the word. Helps the podcast out greatly. Always appreciated when you guys can do so. Uh, I'll get into the LeBron James topic a little later on, uh, but it is definitely taking the, uh, the Twitter universe, so to say. Everyone's talking about it. And I'm trying to think, when was the last time a Kansas City Chiefs topic got this much attention? And to me, it would have to be, and I was very young when this happened, I wasn't a, uh, was a Chiefs fan, but to me, I, I I really am curious, what if social media was big in the early 90s? And I, I remember Luke Thomas once said, the original social media was talk radio, and I know talk radio today may be a little bit different than what it was in the 90s and, and maybe early on in the last decade, but can you imagine if there was a Facebook and a Twitter Arrowhead addict, Arrowhead Pride, this podcast. Hey, uh, if all of that existed in the early 90s, and what would the reaction have been with Joe Montana signing? I'm sure it was an exciting time when that was announced. But I think to get a good grasp of how everyone felt, social media would have been a big deal. It definitely would have been. And that would have been very cool to see. So uh, hopefully, uh, you, you know. Hopefully, we'll see something similar like that for the Chiefs one day. Uh, I think the closest thing to that that I can maybe compare it to in terms of how much attention the Chiefs have got probably the Jovan Belcher incident. I know that's not a positive topic to to to, to bring up here, uh, but but I think in terms of social media impact, uh, the traction the Chiefs uh, got it had to have been that maybe the Pat Mahomes signing. Uh, or, or the draft pick, rather. Uh, th- th- that was a pretty big deal at the time. But I uh, definitely would have loved to see what social media would have been like, especially in Kansas City, uh, hearing the news at Joe Montana. But Because keep in mind, back then, you didn't hear things until the following morning, whether it was on the newspaper or the 10 o'clock news at night. So a lot of times when you hear things like this... So in other words, if social media didn't exist, if, if news spreading was was how it was back in the 90s if that was the same way now people wouldn't even know about lebron james until you know 10 o'clock at night a couple of hours after it happened or maybe the following morning which would now thinking about it feels weird to hear about that stuff possibly hours later because now everyone hears any, everything, anything and everything <laughs> right when it happens so definitely would be uh, interesting to see what social media would have been like uh for some of the big chiefs events in the past uh, such as the super bowl win um The Joe Montana signing, the uh, unfortunate losses of Derek Thomas and Joe Delaney. Certainly would have been very interesting to see that social media traction there. Uh, Speaking of Joe Delaney, uh, I I do want to talk about this uh, for just a little bit uh, because it was 35 years ago this past weekend to the date where Joe Delaney uh, lost his life in a uh, heroic Attempt uh, to try to uh, save a couple of kids from drowning Uh, Everyone knows the story there, of course Uh, His legacy, of course, lives on Uh, Vahe Gregorian of the Kansas City Star Wrote a fantastic piece uh, Talking about how not only uh, He had done something heroic for these kids But also for uh, someone else in his family His wife Uh, Very interesting article Uh, I posted that on uh, Facebook and Twitter Go check it out if you haven't Again, Facebook.com slash Farzivizugan, Twitter.com slash uh, two 21 Very, very good piece written by Vahe Gregorian, uh, one of the better columnists. As a matter of fact, I believe he recently won a- an award for uh, being one of the best column writers, or one of the best columnists, I should say, in the country. So definitely go check it out if you have a chance uh, from Vahe Gregorian of the Kansas City Star. One other thing before uh, we move on and talk about Pat Mahomes. I, I do want to give you guys uh, a bit of a plug here. I was on a podcast called the Pinky and the Brain Show. A couple of guys in Kansas City who um, who are starting up a, a pretty cool podcast, kind of like the uh, JRE podcast a little bit. Uh, they had me as a guest on their podcast, and uh, I don't think the link is out just yet, but as soon as I see it, uh, I'll definitely post a link on uh, Facebook and Twitter for you guys to check out over the holiday weekend. Uh, as I mentioned, there won't be another podcast until July the 13th. That'll be on a Friday. We'll ha- we'll start doing shows on a Friday from that point until the preseason games begin. So if you want to hear more of me outside of this podcast or my MMA podcast, the Cage Zone podcast, uh, check out the Pinky and the Brain show. So I will be on there. I was always on there for about 25 to 30 minutes Uh, talking Chiefs talking MMA and a little bit more so definitely check that out again I'll post the links on social media when it comes out everyone's excited for Pat Mahomes everyone's looking forward to seeing what he can do and I've talked about my expectations from him I think he's going to struggle in the first couple of games the Chiefs are going up against some really good defenses that have some good pass rushing duos so I think a lot of people are expecting Mahomes to excel right away, and I'm not opposed to that. Of course, I would love that. But I think realistically, he is going to go through those those challenges early on because this is going to be his first time being the primary quarterback of a football team. And we saw what he was able to do against the Denver Broncos in week 17. Yeah, sure. Denver had their starters in, but you you've got to understand the fact too. Yeah, and I'm not trying to discredit the Chiefs nor am I trying to discredit the Broncos even though they had their starters in for a majority of the game. Uh and, and yes, Von Miller did have that dirty hit on Mahomes. Uh but that was a very lethargic Broncos team. I mean, can we at least be honest about that when you're when you have the season that you've had like Denver and we've seen this in Kansas City? Uh, before Andy Reid got here, that week 17 game is just boring as hell, and those guys just want to pack it up and go into off-season mode after a long, grueling uh, regular season, so uh, we saw some good things from Patrick Mahomes in that game, some things we'd like to see better, uh, but now the real test is going to come soon, Uh, we'd love to see what he's going to do in the preseason games with some of these starters, and then in week one in LA, that's going to be your first True test of 2018, uh, especially when you're going up against guys uh, l- like a Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram. I mean, they, that, that's a defense that definitely should never uh, be taken lightly. And I'm not saying the Chiefs are, but I, I'm seeing a lot of things on social media where a lot of people are saying they are not afraid of the Chargers whatsoever and that the the Chiefs are going to roll through them. Listen, I understand the Chiefs have not lost to the Chargers since 2013, I believe, and I believe that was the game where the Chiefs put in 22 backups because they had the five seed locked up. They would not go up or go down regardless. So that was the uh, seeding they were stuck with. And they pushed that team all the way to overtime. So I get that people are saying that because the Chargers haven't beat the Chiefs in a long time. But at the same time, you never, and I, I mean that you never discredit, nor do you underestimate any of the 32 teams in the NFL or any pro sports team, look, I'll even expand to this into the college ranks as well. And, I, and I've and i said this before, I mentioned this in the NCAA tournament when UMBC pulled off a big upset against Virginia. I, I get, a lot of times in sports, whether athletes want to admit it or not, I truly do believe the biggest factor in stunning upsets like that has to do with overconfidence. And listen, I can assure you, an an Andy Reid team certainly will never underestimate any team. Uh, Has this team gotten complacent? Yeah, of course. Uh, Look at the two playoff games in which the Chiefs unfortunately blew a big lead. Uh, Once in Indianapolis, once at home against Tennessee. So uh, you know that's happened. Hopefully the Chiefs have learned from their mistakes and they move forward trying to prevent things like that from happening again. But Pat Mahomes has been receiving a lot of comparisons to Brett Favre. A lot of scouts, when he was drafted in, they do this in the NFL every year, who, who is the pro comparison, uh, whether it's a current athlete or a past athlete. And a lot of people said it was Pat Mahomes. And I feel like that is a huge label. I mean, listen, you've got to pick somebody. When a guy is picking that early, he he's going to get compared to a Tom Brady or Ben Roethlisberger, one of those top-notch quarterbacks who have a greater chance of being crowned as champions every year. I mean, that's just the way it works. Uh, but Brett Favre is obviously considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in NFL history. That's the kind of label Pat Mahomes is getting. He's tabbed as the next Brett Favre, essentially. And I think he kind of had some Brett Favre kind of moments in that in that Week 17 game, in that final drive Uh, he escaped a couple of players uh, who were trying to take him down, who were pressuring him, and then he found a a wide-open player. I can't remember who it was. I want to say it was Albert Wilson, but he maintained his composure and found someone wide open despite dealing with a lot of pressure, which is something Brett Favre did a lot in his days uh, using that cannon arm of his. And when you look at some of his Texas Tech highlights, you see him slinging it very far. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people are excited about. When you see Pat Mahomes... And what he's going to do in the NFL. How is he going to showcase his arm and how is he going to utilize that in the big leagues? Especially when you've got guys like a Travis Kelsey. Who is a matchup problem for a lot of linebackers. And maybe even too fast for a few defensive backs out there. One of the faster tight ends you'll see in the NFL. And... That chemistry on the field is going to be exciting to watch. Then you add in the fact that you've got arguably the two fastest receivers on the team. Maybe even the the fastest receiving duo in the NFL right now. In Sammy Watkins and Tyree Kill. Now, I don't know exactly who is going to be slotted as the number one guy. And who's going to be the number two guy. uh, In terms of who's going to get targeted the most. And I kind of I think that's that's very interesting. I'm not going to get on this uh, on this topic. we we discussed this in the past a little bit this offseason, season, but uh, I, I think that's going to be interesting itself because what what do the Chiefs want to do with uh, special teams? Because Tyree Kill, if you just want him to be a punt return, if you, in other words, if you want to use him like Dante Hall, a guy who played slot receiver, wasn't on the field f- uh, for a lot of the downs on offense but was obviously your primary guy on kick returns and punt returns, well then, sure, Tyreek Hill could easily be the best return man in the NFL right now, but seeing what he did offensively last year, you definitely don't want to limit him in what he can do for your football team. But if you want him to be your full-time offensive guy, special teams is going to be kind of a question mark there. How much are you going to let him handle return duties, and who else are you going to put in there? And if he is going to handle return duties, is he still going to be your number one targeted guy? Or is he going to be the number two guy opposite of Sammy Watkins? Uh, That's something that will be interesting to see. But Pat, that's a great problem to have. If If there are any problems you want to have with this offense, and more specifically with Tyree Kill and Sammy Watkins and what you want to do, this is the best problem to have on an offense. And that's what Andy Reid has to figure out. And training camp and in preseason games and make that final decision right before their games start for real. Listen, being tabbed as Brett Favre is, is no joke. I mean, that's that's a pretty solid comparison there. Everybody wants to have that type of player for their franchise. And now the Chiefs, it appears they have that type of player. Now, we'll find out soon... But man, uh, this is going to be a lot lot of fun to watch. And this brings me to my next topic with Pro Football Focus. They just posted something recently, and I saw the uh, Chiefs website mention this as well, that Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill were the top receivers in the league against off-man coverage in 2017. Now, I know some people listening... They might be wondering, what does that even mean? So let me just say this. I a lot of people who listen to podcasts or read uh, sports blogs, a majority of them, they they probably know these kinds of things and follow the sport closely to the point where they know about all the techniques and all these things. But I understand also there are a lot of sports fans who don't know this kind of terminology. So for those who do know, be patient for just a moment because I want to bring everyone up to speed in terms of what that means. First of all, off-man coverage uh, it, it's basically a technique for pass defenders, more so employed by cornerbacks. And as far as what off man means, it's basically the defender lining up away from the line of scrimmage, leaving what's called a cushion, uh, meaning some space between him and the receiver at the line of scrimmage. So, so basically, you know, you'll see some cornerbacks they'll line up right at the line of scrimmage, they'll Look at the, uh, the side judge, the line judge, and just make sure they're not uh, you know, over the uh, line of scrimmage. Of course, then they'll be penalized for a neutral zone infraction. So you ought to be careful with that if, if you're playing too close. If you're playing far away, if you're giving a few yards, if you're providing cushion, that's considered off-man coverage. And that's something we saw Marcus Peters do a lot And I believe it was his rookie season in 2015. We saw him do that a lot. And I think that was partially one of the reasons why he allowed the most touchdowns that season with eight. He also had the most interceptions that year as well, uh, tying with another player. But uh, you saw him do less and less of that. And the next thing you saw, you saw a lot of teams shying away from Marcus Peters. And sure enough, that translated to him being trade it at some point not that exactly but you guys get the idea uh but anyway uh, that's just to give you guys an idea what what it means when they talk about off-man coverage what that means when they talk about what uh, providing a cushion and that is a dangerous thing to do and i'm honestly i'm, I'm kind of surprised when i hear that but at the same time it kind of makes sense because sammy watkins and tyree kill are fast as hell so you want to provide a cushion that way you can keep up with them if they want to run a vertical route, and try to blaze right through you. Uh, You're going to see a lot of teams that want to double-team Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. They have to pick between those two guys, and even then last season, especially when they lined up on the same side, and, and you may recall this when Alex Smith threw a deep bomb to Tyreek Hill in that Patriots game in the NFL kickoff game. Tyreek Hill was wide open because he and Travis Kelsey were on the same side, and Patriots defenders were not prepared for that play right away, and... You know, the cornerbacks had to quickly discuss it. The safety had to make a decision at that point, And they made the wrong decision in letting Tyreek Hill go by. Now, even if they made the right decision in focusing on Tyreek Hill, one of two things would have happened. Maybe Hill still outruns everyone in front of him. Or you see Travis Kelsey wide open. Worst case scenario, Kelsey gets the ball for a lot of yards. It's just not going to be a touchdown. But you still move the chains at the very least. So that's geek speak right there. Uh, football 101 when it comes to terms like that. Now you have to add in Sammy Watkins, because this is what makes the offense so great. How are defenses going to respond to this? And I know I've asked that question a lot, but if we're going to get into detail talk, if we want to do coach speak here, I mean, are, are, are the quarterbacks just going to play off-man coverage with these guys? Because you cannot double team Sammy Watkins Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey oh and don't forget the Chiefs did have the leading rusher in the NFL last year in Kareem Hunt and even if it wasn't Kareem Hunt for whatever reason Andy Reid always has a running back who excels under his offense so you've got a lot of guys to worry about on this offense and that's why the expectations are so high for Pat Mahomes Listen, I I, I I mentioned this before. I love the matchup between the Rams and the Chiefs. Not as a Chiefs fan, I'm just talking as a football fan. If I have to look at things objectively and not have a bias here, I love that matchup. And look, I I I, I said no bias here, but the Marcus Peters factor, of course, plays a role in there. But you've got Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib, a former Jayhawk, who a lot of people, of course, still root for, especially now that he's no longer in Denver. Uh, even though he can be a knucklehead at times but nonetheless you have that matchup there and with LA's secondary that's going to be a very tough matchup for any team for any offense and same thing for the Chiefs that matchup is going to be tough for any defense to go up against When it was announced that these two teams were going to play each other, well, not announced, but everyone knew, everyone knows the schedule ahead of time, uh, with AFC and NFC teams uh, when they go head to head. But I was really hoping this would have been uh, an early matchup because even though you're not developed yet, it, it, this matchup is going to happen in uh, late, I believe, in early November, late October, somewhere around there. I can't, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but late in this, midway through the season, essentially. And at that point, unfortunately, and this is a very unfortunate part of the of, of sports in an unforgiving way but injuries are part of sports and I want to see LA's defense it's complete defense against Kansas City's complete offense I I, I really want to see that matchup because who is going to be the better of the two Casey's offense or LA's defense and unfortunately unless both teams are very lucky with 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 injuries it's unlikely we get that complete matchup by the time those two teams play. And this is one of the things that Pro Football Focus does a great job of when they rate all of these players with how they do against the run, against the pass. Uh, you know, which players? You Maybe you have a team that's ranked last against the run, but maybe there's one player out there, who does a great job when it comes to stopping the run, and they rate players individually like that. Uh, How do players do against off-man coverage or man-to-man coverage? I mean, they they really do look at the the sport uh, all the way through. And that's very interesting to see right there, Uh, to see Sammy Watkins number one and Tyreek Hill number two coming off uh, last season as the top receivers in the league against off-man coverage. Let me know your thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash FarzineVesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And also email me Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. Real quickly, I, I do want to share a, a quick story uh, that I uh, posted on social media. Uh, both on my uh, Facebook and Twitter pages as well as my personal Facebook page. And on uh, but my other personal uh, social media accounts on Instagram. Some of you guys follow me on, on those personal accounts and I greatly appreciate it. I, I always love interacting with fans whether it's personal stuff or... Chiefs MMA whatever um I'm always good with that as long as we can have fun with it and 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 uh, be nice about it as well uh but I posted something over the weekend and it was to that date I believe uh it was 26 years ago yeah 26 years ago. I have to think about that for a moment 26 years ago where uh, my parents and I this was before my brother was born of course I uh was close to turning two years old or I may have been two I can't remember but uh, that was when my family and I moved to the United States, and I still have the photo of uh, the very first place where we lived in Kansas City, and, and and there was a lot of crime and activity, bad activity in that area. Um, not the safest neighborhood. Uh, and uh, you, you know, it's always been a humble reminder of um of you know where I came from, and uh, you know, coming to Kansas City. Uh, with my parents and a lot of people ask you know why was it that your family came to Kansas city of all places <laughs> and I, I, to be honest i don't know the exact reason i think my dad may have known someone who knew someone in the u.s and it turned out that place ended up being Kansas city who my dad could work for who was uh, able to speak Farsi. uh funny enough that guy's name was Farzine. so it's the only time i think and again i was a baby so i don't recall this but i think that's the only time in my life i've ever come across someone with the same name as me uh but 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 it's very cool to see. Of course, uh, in uh, middle school, I became a U.S. citizen. And I mentioned on here, yeah, sure, our country's in a political crazy state right now. But still, I'd rather be here than anywhere else. Certainly consider this home, uh, the United States that is, and uh, very happy to be here. Uh, I, I do have to share one funny story because I did mention it was late June where my family and I moved here. And keep in mind the timing of, of when the, it's it's late June. So my parents, and again, I have no memory of this. They share the story with me. But my parents hear a lot of explosions outside. And again, this is our first day, first couple of days in the U.S. And so I guess my parents were really concerned. And they thought this was something that happened often in the United States. They were not sure of it. So my dad uh, asked somebody, one of the neighbors, you know, what's going on? Why Why are there so many explosions? And the guy goes, Oh, it's 4th of July week. Those are fireworks. So that was the uh, very nice welcome to the U.S. that my family and I had. But yes, uh, it was uh, 26 years ago uh, this past weekend where uh, I did move to the U.S. at age 2. And uh, eventually that was the story of how I eventually became a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Uh, I have not seen a lot of playoff wins. Some of you guys have, uh, but hopefully that changes very soon. With some of the topics we discussed uh, with Pat Mahomes and the receiving duo we've got out there, I think that's definitely going to be a big change for Kansas City. So let me know your thoughts on all of this. Facebook.com slash FarzineVisugian, Twitter.com slash Farzine21. Feel free to email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVisugian.com. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. Jameis Winston has been handed a three-game suspension from the NFL for a harassment incident involving a female Uber driver uh, that was reported during the season. And here's an incident. Here's something that a lot of people are talking about. And we talked about second chances many times on here uh, about Tyree Hill when comparing it to other incidents, more notably with Luke Heimlich, a uh, an accused child molester. Who the Royals are considering uh, potentially signing, but this is something. This is not a second chance. We're talking lots of chances for Jameis Winston. He got in trouble plenty of times in college, and he's still getting in trouble in the NFL. And listen, when when people say college, when you're at that age of 17, 18 years old, the most if you're not 18, when you start talking, most kids are 17 because some kids graduate early. And they start college. Some kids may be born a little earlier than others. And they're 19 when they start college. Regardless. The thing here is. At that age you should know from right. Right and wrong. You have to know. And Jameis Winston hasn't been able to pick up on that yet. For whatever reason. He's gotten in trouble many times. Wherever he's gone. And that's not acceptable. This is becoming an issue. And unfortunately for the Tampa, Tampa Buccaneers. They invested a lot in this guy, drafting him number one overall, and now they have to be concerned if he does one more thing, did we just waste a draft pick on a guy who could have potentially won us a Super Bowl at some point during his, hopefully, long career, a 10-15 year career? If you're drafted that high, you hope for that. Uh, But this is something that's... That's... That's not good. You never want to see this. It's never good. And... Sadly, for the Buccaneers, that's something they have to deal with. And if you may remember last year, a lot of teams suffered a lot of injuries when it came to uh, training camp, pract- off- off-season practices, more so in, in uh, July and August, uh, right before the preseason. A lot of people wondered why that was the case. So the NFL had done some research and looked at some of the data, and they handed data out to all 32 NFL teams with, with different types of data, more specific for their team and what they had gone through. The NFL warned all 32 teams that 11-on-11 11 11 training camp drills were largely responsible for last year's spike in preseason injuries, more so concussions. That is what we saw the most. Each team received a customized data report describing how and when preseason co- concussions occurred in their camps last season compared to the rest of the league. So, listen, I, I've got to say, I know the league's been criticized a lot for how they've handled these kinds of injuries, especially concussions and Uh, We see a lot of players uh, filing lawsuits against the NFL for not doing anything about this, but the NFL is at least trying to make something here, and I think this is certainly a start. This is where you've got to do something, create some common ground. The NFL and the NFLPA have worked together on trying to ban certain uh, hits, uh, and there are some hefty fines as well as big penalties for that, Uh, although I do think the league needs to be more strict on that in order to limit those kinds of things because we still see them from time to time. But nonetheless, uh, the NFL is starting somewhere with this, and I think it is something that's much needed uh, for for the teams and for the players because it's unfair for everyone to go through with this. You want to keep your players as healthy as possible, and concussions are a very serious thing. Uh, Look at Cam Chancellor, who I teased at the beginning of the podcast. He just announced his retirement Sunday evening, uh, or at least what sounds like a retirement, and uh, he had a lengthy post on social media, and at the end of it, he said, hey, pray for your boy. Uh, he said something to the effect of how he's concerned for what's to come in the future with head injuries after the game of football. As we we know about Larry Johnson, he believes he has CTE, uh, which is something you cannot know for sure until you are deceased. Uh, another player came out saying he thinks he has that. It's very unfortunate in the NFL doing the right thing, trying to figure out how this all starts and doing what they can to limit all of this for sure. One quick story I do want to touch on here, that I have on here. Former Kansas City Chiefs defensive tackle, Roy Miller, also with the Bucks and the Jaguars. He has announced his retirement from the NFL, but not because of injuries. More for personal reasons, and not, not good personal reasons either. In a statement on Instagram, he says his ex-wife is attempting to hurt his career. He says he received offers from other NFL teams, but his ex-wife is apparently making it hard for him to to have a football career, which is what he tries to do to feed his children through playing football. Uh, if you may remember, he was arrested in November for domestic battery and hasn't played in the NFL since then. The Chiefs cut him when that was, uh, when that was announced. The Chiefs did their investigation and decided to let him go. Uh, she also sought a restraining order last week, and I think this may have stemmed to possibly him retiring as uh it's it's a it's reported that Roy Miller ripped the handle off of her car door during some sort of dispute over custody of their children. Listen, we hear this a lot about players and the kind of trouble they're getting into because of who they surround themselves with. And, and listen, uh, I understand when you are friends with someone uh, and if it's something that turns into a uh a relationship, if you're dating someone and eventually you get engaged and married to, uh, you may not, I mean, so, something may flip at some point, someone becomes crazy and you just never know about it, but we see a lot of players surround themselves with those kind of people. I've mentioned this story before on the podcast. I used to be around people who got in a lot of trouble in high school and what did I do about it? I knew I could have gotten dragged, even if I didn't do anything, if I continued to hang out with those people, I would have, gotten dragged along and in trouble at some point I just made this decision to say hey look if it meant having no friends especially from high school you know then I'll stay away from them because it's not worth getting in trouble now of course I've met and become friends with a lot of people in college and I'm at a much better place in my life personally but uh people have got to be very careful with who they who they surround themselves with get to know the look look at Kareem hunt he's been involved in two incidents this offseason both minor but there's soap incidents his name was on a police report twice that's that's not a that's not a mistake something happened that he got involved and his name was in a police report a couple of times you've got to make sure you surround yourself with the right people you get to know those people personally before you want to hang out with them you know especially when you want to go out late at night and, and be with them so that is something you know, people have got to be very careful with, and it's unfortunate Roy Miller's in this situation. I don't know the whole details if if um if he's if he's telling the truth in all of this. You know, I don't have any reason to to say he's lying, uh, but given what he's surrounded himself with, uh, I mean, he got himself in that situation. Unfortunately, uh, hopefully, he can figure things out and get back to playing in the NFL. Because if he has been getting offers, he certainly deserves to be playing in the NFL. For sure, I'll follow that story, and uh, maybe we'll have an update as it continues to unfold. Let's go out of bounds. LeBron James has finally picked the team. It's the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, It's funny, right in front of me on my sheet, I I have it listed as LeBron slash Kawhi Leonard slash Paul George and how insane the coverage is. I posted on uh, on social media the different notifications I got. One day the Lakers were aggressively pursuing Kyle Leonard. One day they weren't. One day they're getting Paul George. Then he signs with the Thunder. Uh, LeBron's going to meet with the 76ers. Oh no, LeBron is actually, uh, his representatives are meeting with the 76ers in L.A. I mean, I got all kinds of different notifications. I, I cannot tell you how many times... Uh, ESPN and Bleacher Report sent notifications, flip-flopping whether or not they thought LeBron was going to go to the Lakers. And sure enough, he went to the Lakers. Now a lot of people are talking about how the Lakers are going to be great, and yes, they will. But do not pounce them in as champions. First of all, they've got to get through the Warriors. We all know that's been a thorn to LeBron's side. But second of all, and people are have, have, my tweets right now are crazy because of the comparison I made. But do not forget when Steve Nash and Dwight Howard went to the Lakers. Everybody thought those th- that Lakers team was going to run over the West. And they did it. The complete opposite of it. Now, people are saying, oh, you're comparing LeBron to Steve Nash and Dwight Howard? No. However, Kobe Bryant, a guy who's at LeBron James level, he was also on that team. And that Lakers team just completely flat out sucked. When everybody thought they were going to... Win the NBA Finals in four games. Some people thought they were going to win it in three games. Because that's how damn good that team looked on paper. But again, you don't win games on paper. I think LeBron going to the Lakers is great for that franchise. But do not pencil them as, as champions yet. If anything, listen. People can make bold predictions and make a guarantee. Sure. But do not just write in. Do not just crown a champion right away I, I think that's the one thing that a lot of people do and still haven't learned in all of these years that we've seen upsets in sports or disappointments even for certain teams but I do want to say this because the LeBron story was so crazy everybody wanted to have a hand in breaking the story everyone wanted to be the first one because this is a pretty big deal we don't see things like this often. LeBron's done a de- de- decision, excuse me, a couple of times, leaving uh, Cleveland to go to Miami, then going back to Cleveland, then going to LA. So that's been a uh, that's happened a couple of times. The Peyton Manning free agent signing for the Broncos that was a big deal. A lot of people wanted to be in on that story. Look at look at the Paul George story re-signing with the Thunder. His his uh, barber uh, bro- broke the news essentially that he was staying, and a lot of people were making jokes about how. People are uh, getting sources from people who know of LeBron or a, a, a family member of LeBron's and they're trying to break the story. So everyone wanted to have some sort of say in that, which is crazy. So, But nonetheless, here's an interesting aspect about the LeBron James story. Yeah, sure, uh, him leaving and him joining a team, uh, obviously one team is going to be bad, one team is going to be good. But nobody's looking at it from this point of view either. Not only is one team going to get worse and one team is going to get better, the market value of one team is going to go down completely and the other is going to go way up. Now, the Lakers, yeah, sure, they've been bad, but the value of that franchise, it's not going to go up tremendously because of LeBron. We're talking about the Lakers here. This is a, Even if LeBron was to never play for the Lakers, the Lakers would still be the Lakers. Cleveland, on the other hand, the value of that franchise has dropped tremendously. By the way, when LeBron left Miami and joined Cleveland, I remember seeing a report, and I don't know the number, but it was a very big significant number that the Miami Heat lost lots of followers on Twitter. I'm really curious to know what the difference in Twitter followers will be for uh, for the Cavaliers and for the Lakers. Now, the Lakers already have a lot of followers. I'm sure they'll get a lot more. Uh, maybe not a noticeable difference, but still, should be more. But, man, uh, I'm curious to know how it's going to look for Cleveland. And if you're working for the marketing department for the Cleveland Cavaliers, how do you promote this team? How do you sell tickets? That is going to be a very tough job for the people in charge in that department. Certainly not a position I would want to be in, but hey, that's what those people have the jobs for. They're always prepared for things like this. UFC 226 is happening this Saturday. I will be there in Las Vegas. Very excited for this. Uh, By the way, Friday night on the Ultimate Fighter Finale, Julian Marquez, uh, who uh, spends time in Kansas City and in Las Vegas, he'll be fighting Friday night. That'll be free on FS1. Check that out. This guy's one of the rising stars in the UFC. His nickname is the Cuban Missile Crisis. One of one of the very cool nicknames. I mean, you gotta love that, but also very interesting to watch. Very good fighter at middleweight, and he'll be fighting this weekend. But Nonetheless, uh, I mean, this is going to be a very fun weekend for the UFC. Daniel Cormier is going to try to get uh, his second belt, try to hold two belts simultaneously. Only Conor McGregor has done that. And then you have Brian Ortega, who's going to fight Max Holloway. Brian Ortega, an undefeated fighter, has gone through a lot in his personal life to get to where he is today, and now finally will be getting a shot at UFC Gold. I think those are some two two really good stories. No, it's not Conor McGregor. It's not John Jones. It's not Ronda Rousey. It's not Nate Diaz. It's not no superstars are involved in this pay-per-view, but there are some very intriguing storylines. If you're an MMA fan and you have, and you you follow the sport, you definitely are, are going to tune in. If you're a casual and you don't hear a lot about these kinds of things through the uh, typical media outlets, check out UFC 226 this weekend. If you got a chance, if you want to order it or check it out at a sports bar or, if you want to stream it, that's fine too. I mean, hey, there are a lot of people do it, okay? Come on, let's be honest. But nonetheless, it is going to be a very good pay-per-view, and everyone should check it out when given the chance. One thing I do want to talk about here, I know I went too long on the LeBron topic, but uh, the national perspective of the Luke Heimlich story has spread out. Fans out of KC are weighing in. Lots of fans are angry uh, that the Royals are considering Luke Heimlich, whether they're in KC or not. Lots of people are against this. And I asked this on the social media page, and I asked, I made that comparison, I asked you guys what you thought of this, and there were, a lot of, there were a lot of people who were torn on this, because the Tyree Kill situation has changed a lot of minds. And again, I, I'm seeing a lot of people say, well, Tyree Kill, he, he put his hands on a grown woman. First of all, man or woman, I, I've, 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 I've always said this, I don't care who you put your hands on, putting your hands on someone is bad enough. Don't care what the gender is. You have that in the fact that this woman was pregnant, um now of course that was Tyreek's child and, and that woman eventually became uh, his uh his wife uh so it, it's good to see that whatever happened they've forgiven each other and have moved on and hopefully everyone in that situation has, has learned their lesson uh but I can understand listen I said this also I don't like to rank uh criminal activities I mean what's what's worse what's not um, you know, putting your hands on someone, uh, whether it's abuse or, or, or molesting someone, don't get me wrong, they're all horrific and terrible. I'm sure one can do more damage mentally to someone than the other, but I don't want to sit here and say, "Well, Tyreek Hill did this, so that's why we're giving him a free pass, but Luke Heimlich did uh this, so this that, therefore we we can't give him a chance." I don't like that response. And again, I look, uh, even with a lot of the response, a lot of people are against this. And people, by the way, and I mentioned this with the college uh, comparison with uh, Jameis Winston, a lot of people are saying Luke Heimlich was 15. We shouldn't hold this against him. Folks, if you're 15 years old, you should very well know that that kind of activity, any kind of bad activity, is is against the law. So I, I don't buy that as as, as an excuse. I, I'm actually embarrassed to see that a lot of people are making that that kind of excuse for him. I, I, I Listen, there are a lot of 15-year-olds out there. And I'd like to think a large majority don't do the kinds of things that Luke Heimlich uh, has been accused of doing. Or, uh, you know, I mean, anyone else who gets it. I, I hate the excuse when people say, that this person was young and immature. Do you know how many 18-year-olds, you know, 15 through 18-year-olds are in high school? There's a reason why not all of them get in trouble. It's a small percentage of kids who get in trouble. Now that small percentage seems very high when you hear about these kinds of activities, but you know we don't hear about good behavior. We only hear about bad behavior. College athletes, again, once you're 18, you have to know. For sure what's right from wrong. And and I hate the excuses that people make for a lot of these people. And I I heard this a lot in the pros too. Especially with Giordano Ventura and the amount of uh, problems he had with other players. Arguing with a lot of players. I, I never understood that one bit. So that is something I wanted to bring up here uh, discussing the Luke Heimlich topic. Do not make any excuses about his age. That is not an excuse. If if what he did is true to to molest a child, to molest anybody, never an excuse whatsoever. I hope every single person listening agrees with me on that because to me that's that's common sense here. Final segment of the show. Let's throw some flags. Emory University ranked NFL fan bases based on fan equity, social equity, and road equity. And the Chiefs were on the bottom of that list. Uh, Essentially, Emory University is saying that Chiefs fans are the worst. Because, listen, uh, Chiefs fans are really supportive. They have the uh, noise record, loudest stadium in the NFL. You see a lot of Chiefs fans on the road. And for whatever reason, Emory University... Did not pick up on that. I don't know how this research was conducted. And listen, if you if you were to ask me, who would the worst team in the worst fan base in the NFL be? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I I couldn't tell you to be honest. Uh, but I certainly would not pick Kansas City because that team that fan base. I mean, they're always making noise when the defense is on the field for home games. Uh, I still remember when the Chiefs were. Leading by one against the Patriots during that kickoff game, Patriots fans were silent when the Chiefs were on offense. They're, they they weren't even cheering for their defense. If that was Arrowhead, if the Chiefs were down by one or even by two possessions, and the opposing team had the ball, Chiefs fans would be on their feet as long as it's not late in the game, making noise. So listen, I I I, I don't know the details of how this was all conducted. Uh, but I think the people at Emory University responsible for this research need to need to consider someone else to do this list because Chiefs fans are definitely far from the worst in the NFL. Vince McMahon reportedly will invest five hundred million dollars on the revival of the XFL if it goes into a third season from the revival. So 2020 that's going to be the inaugural season of the revival of the XFL. So if it makes if the league has a season in 2022, McMahon is supposedly going to invest 500 million dollars on crappy football league. Extremely crappy football. You know, you know first of all, what are you going to do with 500 mi- you're not competing against the NFL. I don't know how many markets the XFL wants. First of all, I don't know if it's going to make it into a third season. Now, given the the timing of all this, maybe the XFL was ahead of its time. Maybe the XFL will succeed in 2020, given all these marketing strategies we have today with social media. Maybe we'll see a difference. And listen, a lot can happen from now until the season starts in 2020, maybe we see a little bit of a, a, a better change in social media. Maybe we see something different by that time that will allow the XFL to better promote its league. I, I'm, being, I'm trying to keep an open mind here, but $500 million for something like this? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Listen, if it does last that long, I guess, sure. Sure. Uh, maybe there is something to be said about that, and maybe you have to do something to expand if, if it lasts that long and see is this potentially going to compete, not with the NFL, but maybe with other football leagues like the Arena Football League or uh, the CFL. Maybe that's a very possible comparison you could make. I don't know, but 500 seems a lot. Now, again, if it does go into a third season, which I'm doubtful of, perhaps then we have to give... Vince McMahon and the XFL a lot of credit for the revival and going into a third season because at that point, I, I guess maybe you should spend some money and see what you can do to expand. <speak> Final one for me a woman on Spirit Airlines. She had one of those freakouts, uh, one of those airplane meltdowns because that's unfortunately becoming a, a, a thing. Uh, so basically, what happened? She starts panicking. Uh, as the uh, as the plane had to make an emergency landing i can't remember where it was but it was for a man who went into a coma her concern was that she and her daughter are going to be late for the daughter's volleyball tournament lady your daughter is going to be just fine she's just going to miss a stupid volleyball tournament okay there are going to be plenty of other chances for this daughter of yours to impress scouts. Now, I don't know how old the starter is, by the way. But again, I'm sure there will be plenty of chances to uh, to impress someone that wants to recruit volleyball players. This is a guy who's in a coma. What's more important here, a sport or someone's health? And I think as sports fans, and I'm guilty of this too. Sometimes I try to I try to do this less and less, but. We are very guilty of uh, forgetting our priorities as sports fans occasionally. And here's a woman who, you know, I get it, it's her daughter, but just because she's your daughter doesn't mean she is the queen of the world. And there there are people who deal with some more serious things than missing a volleyball tournament. So, you know what, just for the sake of the woman, here's the thing. I, I never root for kids to do terrible things. Uh, I, I, I saw a couple of posts this past weekend about parents complaining about other parents at sporting events and how they're uh, behaving during their kids' uh, sporting games. I know there was this ridiculous brawl at a softball game, a, a youth softball game in South Carolina. I, I don't know what started it. Uh, but, um, I mean, it's just ridiculous to see that from from grown-ass parents who, who have these kids who they've, they've raised for a few years and they act like that in front of them. I remember seeing one of the girls uh, in that softball game crying, uh, hugging her coach because she saw her dad was in the middle of a, of a scuffle there. But listen, it, I, I mentioned a moment ago, you know, for the sake of that woman, because of her behavior, I, I, I sometimes just want to see that kid maybe not perform so well. Or maybe that uh, team not do well. Just to kind of get that person to shut up. I remember I was at a, an MMA event. In uh, a Mirror Star Casino. It, it was Shamrock FC. And I remember this kid fighting. And the kid's mother. Was cursing and shouting nonstop. Was out of her seat. Yelling all kinds of unnecessary things. And that. Her. Activity alone, maybe you want to root against the guy. Thankfully, that kid lost by split decision uh, to a guy named Johnny Rhodes, uh, who's a pretty good regional MMA fighter. But, I mean, to me, you just hear that, and I think to myself, how can you be proud as a parent to to act like that? And when you see your kid lose like that, you deserve it. I, I think there's such thing as karma, and you're dealing with it. And I think this woman on that spear, I don't know if they made it in time for that stupid volleyball tournament, but, uh, I hope, uh, you know, the the guy was okay. More importantly, the man who went into a coma, because that's more important than someone's stupid volleyball tournament. You know what else is more important? Your body. Do not do what Jason PR Paul did a few years ago on the 4th of July. Enjoy the fireworks. If you're going to watch any displays, if you're going to play with fireworks, I, I hate to sound like I'm your guys' dad, but be safe. I mean, I, I hope no one listening was planning on doing something erratically, and then because of me they're going to be safe. Hopefully that's not the case. But nonetheless, please be safe. Because we've seen people lose fingers over this. Literally. Some have literally lost their minds over things like this too. But nonetheless, enjoy your 4th of July. Please be safe. We will be back on July the 13th. That'll be the next episode of... Of the Chief Zone podcast. Check out the Cage Zone podcast. That'll be out later today on Monday as I will preview UFC 226. A lot to get into on that episode of the Cage Zone podcast. I was also on the Pinky and the Brain show. I don't think the podcast is out yet, but I will post a link on social media. As soon as that becomes available. Speaking of social media, Facebook.com/farzinvazugian. Like and follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter at Farzine21, and email me as well, Farzine at Once again, a big Happy Fourth of July to all of you guys. Enjoy your week. I'll talk to you guys on the 13th.